On front page this morning with me is Ida Nadira Ibrahim, journalist at Malay Mail. Good morning, Ida. Hi, good morning. Uh, let's take a look at online games, including Player Unknown Battleground, PUBG. Our youth minister, YB Said Sadiq, says uh, PUBG game has nothing to do with violence, should not be linked to element of violence as to what happened in Christchurch, New Zealand on Friday. He said, believe me, whether or not there are online games with elements of shooting, if people, um, suspects, already have extremist views, they will commit violence. In fact, a few days ago, Gujarat became the only state in India to ban the PUBG game after it sparked concern among parents who viewed the game as a bad influence due to its violent nature. And according to media reports, the game has been uploaded by more than 100 million users worldwide. So, Ida, do you feel it was his place to say this in light of the tragic events that unfolded on Friday in Christchurch? Personally, I don't think it was appropriate for him to voice this out because he has been known to publicly make a passionate defense uh, to e-games. Yes. So, it might seem like a conflict of interest on, you know, because there are studies linking games and um, violence, but although most of them have a quite similar similar outcome, where they say that there's very little uh, link, but it's a continued debate, lah, basically. Right. Do you personally see a correlation between violent video games and escalating gun violence? Uh, it's very subjective uh, because to me, violence tendency it depends on the individual. Like it may fuel the imagination of the person, you know, on how to carry out the whatever violent act they've they've done. Like for example, in 1999 there was the Columbine High School uh, shooting. Yes. So the parents actually sued like 25 game companies because they actually found that the shooting was influenced by video games. Right. So yeah. But on that note, to date, the game, the PUBG mm-hmm. game, has been uploaded by more than 100 million mm-hmm. users worldwide. And if you look at the statistics, I mean, 100 million users versus the actual amount yeah. of gun violence, it just doesn't correlate at this point, does it? Yeah, it I think doesn't. more studies need to be yeah done. Like I say, a lot of studies done had showed that there's no link, like there's very little link. Yeah. But it's just that if you already have that violent tendency inside of you mm-hmm. um, and you're like into these things, it may just fuel your imagination. That's just about it. Lah. All right. Well, we'll definitely have to discuss this one with our resident psychologist at some point. Yeah. Coming up, MCA to stay in Barisan National. That's a big headline. That's up next on Front Page here on Light. Win your share of 15K with Sounds Like a Song starts at 9 a.m. So wait for that. And on front page this morning with me is Ida Nadira Ibrahim, journalist at Malay Mail. This big headline, we've seen it actually last week, MCA to stay in Barisan National as a component party. The MCA Central Committee in a statement said the decision was to strengthen the cooperation between the various races and to ensure that there was no racial-based political inclination. The MCA Central Committee chose to remain in BN and MCA wants to prevent race relations to tilt towards Malays against non-Malays. The diversity aspect cannot be ignored in the political landscape. So I guess, Ida, how is this coalition going to work now that AMNO is in cahoots with PAS? Well, basically, BN top leadership, they have repeated many times that each of the component parties have to come up with their own strategy on how to move forward. So AMNO's cooperation with PAS is their way to strengthen their party. And, you know, Barisan National has been one of the parties that has been known to be able to be quite unified when it comes to settling their differences. So how we are going to see this work is quite interesting because this is quite new, but MCA and MIC have 
have said that they have accepted the so-called marriage. <laughs> right. <laughs> but in your opinion, would MCA and MIC be better off outside Barisa National? No. <laughs> no, because uh, even now, before the general elections, they have started weakening. And more so now, each MCA and MIC only have one parliamentary seat. Mm-hmm. So they need to be in Marisa National in order to to strengthen themselves. Would a complete dissolution, uh, the dissolution of, yes. of these parties be something that should be considered? Well, they've been uh, around for quite a very long mm. time, you know, to see them. But the support doesn't appear to be there anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah, understood. But then um, there's also grouses among the people against Pakatan Harapan and this mm-hmm. is something that Barisan National can actually take advantage of uh, like right now what they should really focus on is getting back on their feet and growing stronger and taking advantage of what whatever is going on right now less politicking lah basically right and doing actual job yes alright well with me this morning is Ida Nadira Ibrahim journalist at Malay Mail coming up the worst mass murder in New Zealand modern history it's an act of terrorism that left 50 people dead we've got that headline next here on Light. On front page with me is journalist Ida Nadira Ibrahim from Malay Mail. Now, this is said to be the worst mass murder in New Zealand's modern history. New Zealand PM Jacinda Ardern said she will announce detailed gun law reforms within days after an attack on two mosques left about 50 people dead. Uh, She said her cabinet had backed gun law changes in principle. Australian Brenton Tarrant, 28 years old, a self-described white supremacist, has been charged with murder. And police say the killer used military-style assault weapons modified to make them more deadly for the attack, all of which is legal under current laws. Ida, what do you think of the New Zealand Prime Minister's response in light of the incident? I believe she's been lauded worldwide for her quick response, yeah? Yes. And calling it terrorism. Um, Well... Her response and her swift action is quite commendable and I think it's exemplary to other leaders around the world as well because even though she hasn't given specific details on the decision of having a tighter gun law but to acknowledge that the event is a solid reason to have this reform mm-hmm. should be emulated by other other leaders as well like for example in our own country we recently had that the Pasigudang incident right mm-hmm. and a lot of people are saying the fine the 500,000 fine is really small like it's, yeah. it's a really small sum for such a huge assam- yeah but the action against it like n- no one is talking about like changing the law or you know increasing the penalty and mm-hmm. such so well, even enforcement, we've yeah. not heard anything about that exactly. yet. Exactly. So basically, uh, what she, what she did is quite exemplary. Okay. Now, military-style assault weapons modified, you know, mm-hmm. to make it deadly in this attack. You know, all this apparently is legal under their current gun laws. What would tighter gun laws look like for New Zealand? And could we see a total ban, you think? To see a total ban would probably be difficult because, uh, you know, they have a strong gun lobby and also they have this uh, hunting culture. But maybe uh, they could look into because some of the laws they have is where like the minimal legal age is 16 years old. And for semi-auto weapons, it's 18 years old. Wow. Yeah. And New Zealand is one of the few countries where uh, individual weapons do not have to be registered. So maybe they can look into like 
tightening these laws, like increasing the age mm-hmm. and, you know, having proper registration for even individual guns. Okay, well, we're definitely following that case as it unfolds. Coming up, Sabah is mulling, dropping the term estate. What does that mean? Well, we'll find out next here on Light. Win your share of 15K with Sounds Like a Song starts at 9am. Now, on front page this morning is Ida Nadira Ibrahim from Malay Mail. The Sabah government will consider dropping the term state if the amendment to Article 1, 2 of the Federal Constitution receives the support of the elected representatives in Parliament. Now, Chief Minister Datuk Sri Muhammad Shafi Abdal said the recognition of the amendment would be done when the time came towards ensuring the matters sealed in the Malaysian Agreement 1963 could be realized as best as possible for the benefit of the people of Sabah. On March 8th, the Minister in the Prime Minister's Department, Datuk Liu Viu Kiong, announced that the Cabinet had agreed to amend Article 1, 2 of the Federal Constitution to turn Sabah, Sarawak and the Peninsular into partners. So if you drop the term state, what does this actually mean for Sabah and Sarawak and for the Peninsular? If they drop the term state and they become partners, yeah. right? basically this would give them greater autonomy. So the Sabah and Sarawak would have more rights as compared to what they have now. Mm-hmm. Ida, how vital is this to Sabah? Well, like I I said, like, it would give them greater autonomy. So basically, it would benefit the people more. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, uh, maybe in terms of infrastructure. So it would be quite important for Sabah to change the status from state to partners. All right. Was there anything mentioned in uh, Parliament with regards to dropping the term state? Not yet, because this week they have been focusing on the emergency motion to discuss about what happened in New Zealand. So. Right. I guess we'll continue to see how this develops uh, over in Sabah. Coming up, Poon Dr. Mahathir Muhammad insisting on the third national car project. Uh, we've got that headline up next here on Light. On front page this morning is Ida Nadira Ibrahim, journalist from the Malay Mail. Prime Minister Tun Dr. Mahathir Muhammad said improving Malaysia's automotive engineering prowess will help the country grow, remarking that Proton Sagas were used for the Proton Saga Cup during the event uh, that he was at. Tun said there was a lot of technology involved in car making, and he said that China has made tremendous progress due to its participation in the automotive business. And he said, we, Malaysia, know nothing about automotive engineering. This is why we are introducing Introducing the third national car to learn. So, Ida, are we really lacking the knowledge and experience in automotive engineering if compared, you know, to other countries? We already have the knowledge. We have the knowledge. Uh, but I think what the government needs to do is to enhance on the research and development area. And then they also, uh, because what they need to do is increase the confidence of the people on why it's worth buying a national car. So with what we have existing, you should really focus on developing that. If you look at the latest Proton X70, mm-hmm. uh, there is a lot of improvements in terms of the technology use and also in terms of the design. But having said that, it doesn't mean we have to go into a third national car because you already have mm. a, a brand there. So what you need to do is actually develop that. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, he insists on this going forward, mm-hmm. despite, I think, if you did a referendum nationwide, I think most Malaysians don't want a third national yes. car. Is it a mindset thing? You know, don't buy Malaysian cars, buy foreign, don't go into a third national car because it's bad. These are some of the things netizens are saying online with regards to this headline. In your opinion, Ida, do you feel that Malaysians still have that mindset that, you know, our locally produced cars are of poor quality? I think they do. Yeah, they still have that mindset. But this should not stop the government from improving further. Because simply put, like the mentality where people say that the Windows in Proton is faulty, is still there. Despite how many years and despite the progress they've made, people still have that mentality. So what they need to do is figure out a way to... Fix that problem. Yeah, boost the confidence. And Mm. one way is to actually improve in R&D. So, you know, do better than what we have now. If the consensus, though, nationwide, is that we do not need a third car yeah, because, project, um, I mean, is there any chance that we would be listened to? <laughs> Seeing as, you know, we have bigger fish to fry, bigger issues that need to be addressed, like our economy, for example. Yes, that's true. I mean, he really needs to listen to the people. I think the, the Pakatan Harapan government has always been talking about how it's important to engage the stakeholders and, you know, like, listen to the people. And the people has, a lot of them have spoken up about what they think the idea of having a third national mm-hmm. car because instead of having a third national car, the focus should be on Improving the ones we have, yeah. That is one, and mm-hmm. also in terms of public transport. Wonderful. Hopefully, the powers that be are <laughs> listening to this. <laughs> the connectivity is definitely a factor, yeah? Yeah. And that's when you end up you know, getting an e-hailing ride. And, uh, you know, there are new developments on that front as well. Yes. You know, true. coming up in June, July. Well, Ida, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Okay. Ida Nadira Ibrahim, journalist at Malay Mail.